0: Sunny 16 present.
1: everyone and welcome back to another episode of the music and photography podcast i'm billy sanford and today i'm honored to be speaking with ray barbie ray thank you for your time how are you doing today
2: i'm oh, doing great i'm i'm honored I'm to be uh on the podcast thanks for having me
1: <laughs> absolutely of course uh so a lot of people listening Ray, will be familiar you know with your skateboarding career and you've talked in the past a little bit about how skateboarding and music and photography and how you know sometimes the paths have crossed for you and these things are related and kind of how you came into these things through skateboarding. And and I kind of wanted to start with a question related to that, sort of a, a nature versus nurture question, because it occurred to me that skateboarding, you know encourages a creative mindset and i was curious whether you thought that being in that world kind of nurtured your creative spirit that led you to be interested in music and photography later on or or do you feel like you had a little bit of that creative spirit uh naturally wired into you from early on even before skateboarding
2: yeah it's a it's a kind of uh complex kind of i guess kinda dynamic, if you will, because you it's hard to I guess apply certain percentages to you know what was developed through skateboarding or what did you already have that led you to skateboarding, you know what I mean? Um right. But I but I do know that musically, I mean here's the thing. I feel like everything is about Exposure, what you're aware of, which comes through exposure, and then from that exposure, the accessibility to that very thing that you become aware of, right? Right. And so, so for me, growing up in the '80s, I'm a MTV baby. So MTV <laughs> comes out in like I can't remember what is it like, '82, '83 ish, maybe I can't remember, but yeah. I was in fifth grade and i grew up in a home my dad uh was a musician uh well he was he was in the marines and um while he was in the marines he pretty much partook in everything that they allowed them to do like all the things that they provided like they had a while they were on the base right and so they, they had a band and you know, he played saxophone in the jazz band uh, um, where there's station, he played football, he boxed. And so, so my dad was a musician. He played saxophone and a lot of the music that I grew up with in, in our house was jazz and soul, you know? Um, right. Like most families during that time, they loved Motown and, and Stacks And, and so, when MTV comes out, now I'm introduced to rock and roll, right? I wasn't hearing rock and roll in in the house, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't have too many friends that I knew that were listening to rock music, per se. I mean, I'm kind of aware of it, but there was no kind of personal experience with it outside of maybe a friend's brother. Who's drive who drives you can hear what he you know if he gave us a ride somewhere he's listening to a rock station or something you know right. but uh, so MTV comes out and now I've got it in my living room right twenty four twenty four seven <laughs> <24/7. laughs> for sure right because because MTV had this very ambitious idea to provide twenty four seven music video <laughs> and right. so because there wasn't so many videos being made at that point, then what they were using was a rotation of rock concerts that were already produced, right? Like these videos that you would typically buy a by the VHS of like an Iron Maiden concert from Wembley Stadium or something, you know? Right. And so now that's like the YouTube of its time for all these companies' videos that they've released for their uh, bands, you know? When I say company, I mean, the music labels. And so anyway, so now I'm seeing Ozzy Osbourne concerts, ACDC concerts, Iron Maiden concerts, Black Sabbath, and Rush and Scorpions and the list goes on and on. And I'm seeing the the kind of hierarchy within the structure of a band, if you will. Like I'm seeing I'm seeing that, wow, okay, the singer is the leader. He's the main guy. Right. And and then, and then there's a part of the song where another guy steps up with a guitar and takes a solo. And that guy got my attention. <laughs> right. Because I, I was like, yeah, the singer is cool, but this dude's way cooler. <laughs> <laughs> and so, and so anyways, I was like, I want to play guitar. Right. And so the awareness of that created in me a desire to want to play it, but I didn't have the accessibility to go any further because I didn't know anybody who had a guitar. I'm in fifth grade and nobody has an electric guitar. Right. And so it wasn't until I got into skateboarding the summer before seventh grade that I go back to school seventh grade having gotten into skateboarding now i have something in common with the other skateboarders at the school and they befriend me and then guess what those guys are in punk bands (laughs) those guys have electric guitars (laughs) right so now i'm now i'm around it you know right and so at least for music i like to say that You know, I had a desire to play music before skateboarding, but it wasn't until skateboarding that I was afforded the ability to play music. Then, with photography, then that one functions a little more like what you were saying, where being in skateboarding and being on the other side of the lens and seeing that, then it brought both to me: the awareness of photography Mm
1: -hmm. and the ability to learn it okay well that that is a good segue because that's what I wanted to I was curious about you know I I would imagine or or at least (laughs) in my mind the way it would have worked is you know you pick up photography because you want to document these memories that you're having of this you know all of the fun you're having and uh this life that you're living so it's it, which is that, you know that how is,
2: that is that is true for sure yeah that is a huge part of it for sure
1: so at what point did it sort of become a little bit more where you where it clicked that you could use photography you know over and above just documenting the memories but as a creative tool
2: when i wanted to make darkroom prints okay so when i wanted to get in the dark room that's when I had to. Well, there's a couple things. Mm-hmm. The appreciation and the respect for the craft, because again, being around such creative, talented photographers because of skateboarding, because of going on these tours and then working for the magazines and being on the other end of their lenses. I was always intrigued and always had great respect for their craft. Right. And I was always the camera itself was always interesting to me, and I and I always took note of. And maybe this is just the nerd part of my personality <laughs> that tied that's tied to just details, you know. Um, right. But I would, I would. I'd start to see like, oh, this person uses a Canon. Oh, this person uses a Nikon. Oh, this person uses a Hasselblad. Oh, this person likes to shoot portraits with a four by five. And, and I just was always interested or aware of these choices playing a role of their approach or identity or uh, when I say identity, I'm talking about identity towards their style um, of photography or their preferences. Like, I guess what I'm saying is I saw the, I saw the camera much like I saw the guitar in the hands of all these bands that I would see. Like, how come this person uses a Telecaster? How come this person uses a Les Paul? How come this person likes humbuckers? How come this person digs single coils or, you know what I mean? And so I guess, so I'm saying, I'm saying those interests, those things interest me and so i'd be like with john Humphreys, and it'd be like oh he loves to use a four by five for this moment and then i'd be with uh gabe morford and oh he likes to use a Hasselblad. blot he likes square he like and that stuff was just interesting to me and so as i'm going on these tours and this one tour in particular um where we were gone for about two months i was with uh One of my favorite photographers, Joe Brooke, who at the time was photo editor for Slap, Skipper magazine, which is no longer around. But um, now now Joe works for Thrasher magazine. But but anyway, we were on this tour and um, Joe was the photographer on the tour. And just like you're saying, I was just like, man, I was like, we're about two weeks into this two month tour. And. I'm watching him catch these moments and I'm like, I'm blowing it. I should be shooting. (laughs) And I told, and I told Joe, he's like, look at Ray. When we get to New York, I'll tell you the camera to get, I'll take you to this camera store called B and H. And I'll tell you, you know, we'll get you one of these. Cause he had a, he had a point and shoot called the Yashica T4. Right. And I, and I, and I noticed that all of these dudes, all of a sudden, when I say all these dudes, meaning all my skate photographer friends that work for the magazine, I was like, they all had this silver little point and shoot, right? And that was something where I was like, dang, I probably could use that, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and right. and um and I, anyways, Joe had that, right? So he'd have his right. gear when we're when we're out skating, but then at night, the lifestyle kind of stuff, as they say, or whatever um he would just have that camera.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And and so anyways, I was just like, man, I want to I, I might have said, dude, I want to get one of those or something, you know? Like, why do you guys don't have that one? And he was like, oh, you know, this one this one has the Carl Zeiss lens, which um right. a lot of them don't have, and he's like the Carl Zeiss lens is what makes this camera special. Mm-hmm. And so he's like, dude, when we get to New York, I'll take you I'll take you to B&H and we'll get you we'll get you one or whatever you know right Uh, that's where you go to get that's where you can go to get one basically and so I got that T4 and then shot shot the rest of that tour and shot every tour after that pretty much you know (laughs) it just became it just became like my go-to and I love the process of it I love like Getting home, dropping off the rolls to like Walgreens. Mm-hmm. You know what's funny though It's like I learned the hard way. Like Joe, Joe told me to like pick up some black and white. He's like, you should shoot some black and white too, right? Right. Um, but he didn't hit he didn't hit me to I got regular black and white. He didn't hit me to the C forty one. Right. And so I'm taking my regular black and white over and dropping it off at Walgreens, and it's coming back. Blank. Oh, because, <laughs> yeah. And there's a couple of roles. One in particular where when we were out there, um, Trent Reznor and David Bowie were doing uh they, they did an album together. Right. And um or a sing or song, I can't remember. But they're filming they're 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 filming the music video up in um uh kind of like Time Times Square area. Mm-hmm. And so we were out skating, but I had that camera on me, the cool thing about that camera is it could fit in your pocket. right? And, anyways, they're filming this video, and it was the part of the video where they were getting, they were on a trailer. They were in a car. I think they're supposed to be, like, in a taxi or something in the backseat, and they were on, like, a trailer, because, um, with the whole crew filming in front of them, you know what I mean, on the they were getting towed, but the but the cameras on the bed of what they're getting towed with, right? And so, right. Um, so, anyways, I remember I think they were in between takes, and I just I ran up into the like just into the window and just stuck stuck my head, in and just shot a photo of them. And uh, unfortunately, that was the black and white roll. Oh, no. <laughs> oh no! Oh <laughs> no! yeah <laughs> oh, man. but uh but anyways, shooting the t four for probably a good like six, seven years, mm-hmm. like so getting all those roles back and just that just
0: the fun of that
2: process, you know that I think that right there played a huge part of this kind of draw towards wanting to get more into the craft of it you know right i started to realize i started to i I realized kind of early on that i was kind of faking it there was a sense of faking it if you will right because i knew the camera was making all the decisions for me and consequently because of that i was increasingly getting frustrated with my prints because i felt like man it made this choice here that ruined the print like i wish i i wanted it to do this you know what i mean (laughs) right you know and so there's a lot of that that led me to want to i guess learn it more and i always knew that it was a craft that i wasn't functioning in i knew like my friends they didn't need training wheels if you will you know like they didn't need auto focus or auto exposure right (laughs) they were make they're making those choices themselves and it was in that ability that I
1: felt gets you what you want or
2: closer to it
1: you know right and so then fast forward and and you've really embraced the whole end-to-end process the you know starting with picking your composition and then capturing the image and even you know developing the film and like you said making the darkroom prints it 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 really is you know bringing that whole image that you envision to life uh kind of kind of talk about uh, and maybe you were about to (laughs) and i stepped on it but but talk a little bit about (laughs) talk a little bit about what you get out of that kind of shepherding the whole image through the whole process well with the t4 i was shooting
2: a lot of color Mm -hmm. and then i think what happened also was i just really started to develop a great appreciation for black and white print um a lot of my a lot of my friends like tobin Yelin and and uh luke ogden bryce knight gabe morford um they're all photographers that that uh, great photographers they could shoot whatever but they they cut their teeth in skateboarding right and they all had dark rooms and so either i'd go to see some of their exhibitions at a skate shop or something or maybe in a gallery and they're just all black and white prints and there's just such a there's such a quality to them that I just had an emotional connection towards, you know.
0: Right. And I
2: think there's I think a lot of it also was that I was just blown away that you guys did this yourselves. <laughs>
0: right. You know what I
2: mean? Because I was yeah. just so used to dropping off film to a uh, drugstore, <laughs> you know? <laughs> right. And I was just like I was just like, dang, you guys. You you did this. It was awesome. You know what I mean. <laughs> yeah. And so that's so that I guess what I'm saying is like along with like that just became that actually became the most important part of the craft to me. Mm-hmm. As I'm drawn towards like I want to learn how to use a manual camera. <laughs> you know.
1: <laughs> right. And
2: then and and then. And then I was like, and then I want to learn how to make beautiful prints, (laughs) right? And so, um, because that was the goal and I understood also that man, black and white is what excites me the most. Right. And so, you know, I'm like 30 something and. I'm trying to figure out how to start printing in the dark room mm-hmm. and I'm trying to figure out like, wow, who could, you know, I don't know any, I only knew Ed Indiana Templeton. Mm-hmm. What I mean to say is they're the only ones that I knew that had a private dark room. Right. That had their own dark room, but I also knew that dude, Ed is so busy. There's no way I can uh, ask him to teach me. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like <laughs> hey, I know you you're doing some ghetto, you're doing your art, you're doing your, your skating, you're doing like dude, can you teach me how to print? <laughs> <laughs> and so I was I was I was stuck trying to figure out how, how am I gonna learn, you know. And mm-hmm. then I was skating with these I was skating with these dudes at at Cherry Park here in Long Beach and uh we are talking talking about photography. Cause at that point I had my wife's Pentax K1000, mm-hmm. which she had had from it picked up before going to Africa when she was younger, right. Um, before we got married, you know, and so, and that was the thing too, that camera played a huge part towards me, just creating, getting to a point, like it was always, I, I always joke about it, but I feel like that camera was always like the reminder, almost like it's calling me. <laughs> towards, because because it was the reminder of like because it's the same camera that like Glenn Friedman used and Lance Mountain and Neil Blender and these guys, right. um, who were super under the influence of Glenn Friedman and so that that camera that Pentax K1000 represented skateboard photography to me in a lot of ways, you know, right? Uh, I represented the type of cameras those guys used, you know. Um, uh, those guys meaning the skate photographers, and so, so that camera when I would look at it, I would just over the years I would look at it and be like, one day, one day, <laughs> <laughs> like one day I'm gonna learn to use that thing, you know what I mean? and right. So, anyways, anyways, when that day came, I was just started shooting with it, but I knew I wanted to learn how to print, but I hadn't figured it out yet. And so, I guess what I'm saying is like, when I'm at Cherry. Uh, this one day and I think I had that and I think I was sh- probably shooting somebody and um, it started the conversation with the skaters and I was like yeah I want to learn how to print and they're like oh that's neat you know they're like we're learning but we're going to I was like where are you guys print at and and they're like well we 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 print over at the uh, Long Beach Community College you just sign up for the beginning black and white course and you get access to the dark room and I was just like Rat. Thanks so much, you guys. And so so basically, I'm telling my wife, honey, I'm going to start taking these classes over at the Long Beach Community College. And she's like, cool. Um, But what she didn't realize is how expensive it is, dude. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. And And I knew it was expensive. So I guess what I'm trying to say is a lot of the DIY is cutting costs.
1: Sure. So
2: so I I I was trying to be very practical in like, okay, this can be expensive, but how can I how can I make it happen? How can I uh make it uh, cost effective? And right. so I remember looking into bulk loading my film. Mm-hmm. Um but I remember I remember doing the math and I felt that like, you know what? Um doesn't make sense so it's still buy film but at that time there was a company uh well it's Arista there's a company called Freestyle Photographic Supply right and they have their own they have their own in-house brand called Arista and I had learned from one of the employees that Arista Premium was repackaged Tri-X okay for like half the price (laughs) (laughs) And so I lived on that for a good seven years or something. Right. Yeah. Um, And so that, along with me processing myself, uh, that was just a way to approach it. And so, and then, but what happens is the amount of control that you get from that process or approach, there's no way for me I could give that up. And so, what came from necessity becomes great value towards the ability to just do it myself. Right. That makes sense. And and so um and so yeah, so that's how I, uh, I end up processing myself and then like here's the thing, like I I love from beginning to end from The time that I trip the shutter Mm -hmm. to the time I hand off my print to either give to somebody or give to my framer or just put in my box with other prints that I pull out from time to time to just enjoy Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, or share with friends. I'm grateful that. I don't need anybody in that process,
1: right? It is, it is a great, um, it's a great feeling to be, to know, to be able to hold a print in your hands and, and be able to say, you know, Hey, I did this, <laughs> this is the fruit of my yeah. labor.
2: Yeah. And, and you're right. And, and, and it's not that people can't do that, who don't process it themselves and it's right. not that people is not that people can't do that, that even have other people print their stuff but I do get excited because of all of the decisions that you have to make along the way ends up there. And for that to be, come out the way you want, that's what makes it for me because it's hard to pull off (laughs) (laughs) and I'm not saying, I'm not saying saying it happens a lot, but it's like skateboarding, you know, it's just like that sense of achievement. When you've been working on that trick and you finally get it, there's a sense of achievement that just plays a part of the whole experience, you know? Um, And it's what makes that experience enjoyable for me. Absolutely. and, I agree. And I, think it, and I think skateboarding, what it's done for me, and I can talk with other friends and and uh they're, they're in agreement with me, is that like the learning curve for skateboarding is so steep mm-hmm. that it develops in you this tenacity, <laughs> this resiliency, but along with that this kind of need for something to not be easy. Right. Right. Like, I'm convinced, I'm convinced that if something's easy, I don't get a sense of accomplishment because I feel like, huh, I didn't have to fight for it.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Well, sort of in a similar vein, just so we can start working a little bit of music into the conversation as well i mean we just talked about you know kind of bringing an image to life what what kind of what's your mindset on bringing a song to life whether you know it's something you're putting together yourself in your home studio or you're getting the opportunity to work with other musicians uh you know and everybody's bringing a little something different to the table kind of kind of what's that process like for you and and what do you You know what sort of creative itches does that scratch for you being able to bring a song to life yeah i mean
2: much like what we've been talking about like it's
1: all super challenging you know right um
2: the parallels with say composition photography composition you know the language of composition right i I use the term language because it's important to be able to communicate if you are trying to share what you're doing, right? Right. And so, we wouldn't be able to talk. You wouldn't be able to have a podcast if everybody that you have on, including yourself, takes the time or sees the importance of language, right? Um, and the importance of communicating a way to where the other person can under, as much as possible understand what you're trying to express or whatever. And so I guess what I'm saying is like, I see that with not so much with skateboarding because it's such an expression that it doesn't, uh, it, it's more felt and appreciated visually. I mean we still have the issues. We still deal with preferences. Right. Um but but it's a little it's 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 super literal, basically. <laughs> <laughs> right. With, with 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 room for style and creativity, but it's literal. Like the importance of presenting that is has more to do with the documenter. The photographer and the videographer or whatever you know right but the but if you're just riding a skateboard then you're just you're just doing it you know like, like and um and so it functions a little different and I guess what I'm trying to say is I'm separating skateboarding from music and photography in the sense that well with music and photography how you're presenting that is no different than how you're presenting the words in a conversation to somebody right like Right and so, and so with, I love the challenge in both of, uh, with photography. It's like you know, I always use it. I always think about like the focal length on a, um, on an iPhone. I think is a twenty-eight millimeter, right? And twenty-eight millimeter gives you a wide field of view. Um, It does. So it's really hard to manage you have to be very careful how you manage everything within that field of view (laughs) and so how, how many times has somebody said showed you a photo they shot on their iPhone and And you're like okay what am i supposed to be looking at because you've given me everything (laughs) (laughs) right (laughs) and they're like duh it's this cat right here or whatever (laughs) um and you're like okay you know like (laughs) um and so um musically it's the same kind of thing of within a composition it's like it's five songs. Are we, are we going anywhere? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I'm sorry, not five songs. It's five minutes. Right. Right. You know? So yeah, I guess what what I'm, what I'm trying to say is that I love the, I'm learning. Let's put it this way. What's what's fun in music for me is the challenge of just learning how to kind of like, Especially with instrumental music, which is really hard when you don't have vocals right. to hold people's attention or or, or um, for them to emotionally connect to meanings of words or whatever, then the challenge becomes how can you keep them in your tune and um, not get bored <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, uh, and a lot of that. Comes with composition and arrangement and a good song structure, you know, and then good rhythms and good melodies, right? Like, right, but it's cool. I've been playing with my friends, um, Tony Alva, Matt Rainwater, and Rachel Rainwater. They have a band called His Eyes Have Fangs, and um, uh, they're in between guitarists right now, so I've been helping out, um, Mm -hmm. playing gigs with them and kind of helping towards. Them writing new material and uh, they're all super talented and Rachel Ann's been coming up with these really cool songs, but a lot of them are just just her and her guitar and so it's been really fun to try to help help them arrange for those ideas, you know? Right. Um, and and to me, what's been fun is working with the singer and just realizing that not I shouldn't say realizing because I've always known, but being in a being in a situation to where I can uh, learn how to serve the song, and in particular, create arrangements that serve the singer becomes a more it becomes all about the singer to me. And so what, what supports that because instrumental music, it becomes more about how to support the melody, but the melody is coming just from another instrument you know <laughs> right and, and there's a little more uh, handoff and play with different instrumentation with the the melody or something you know yeah
0: um,
2: and I think too, because I'm a lot of times playing the melody then it's hard to think that you're serving yourself but with the vocalist, it's like, oh all these decisions are left to serving right. rather than highlighting, highlighting. Like I'm always thinking of, I gotta do something to highlight where now it's more of like, the decisions are more of like, how do you take the, how do you support? <laughs> <laughs> right, right. You know what I mean? Which yeah. is really fun, which is really fun and super challenging. Um oh, But, uh, but that's been, that's been something I haven't really had to do much of. And so I guess all of that was just a long way of saying that, like, I just, I love the challenge of, uh, the songwriting aspect in music, you know? Sure.
1: Well, you, you talked about, which, which which
2: to me, songwriting is no different or the arrangement is no different than your, uh. Composition in photography, you know, where you place your elements within your frame, like music. I just see the parallels, you know. I mean, music is like where are you placing the the uh, the frequencies, the tonal, the tonal range, the lows mm-hmm. and the highs. How does how does your guitar tone work with the bass? <laughs> are yeah. you are you guys sitting in the same register, or are you cutting through, <laughs> it, like all that stuff? Where does the voice sit? Where you know, like, right? Um, so they're all the same. You're dealing with the same kind of things, which is arrangements, right? Whether right. it's arranging, whether it's arranging um, and placing elements within a frame, or arranging and placing elements of music within a composition, within a song. You know, it's all the same kind of
1: stuff. Sure. Well, you t- you talked a little bit about playing live, and that is a You know, if you're recording or if you're just sitting around and jamming with your friends, that's great. But it does feel like that, you know, performing music live in front of a crowd is a little bit different dynamic. And maybe you had, you know, maybe there's some similarities to the skateboarding days there as well, where you had people watching what you were doing. You know, maybe we don't get like immediate feedback all the time on our photography but as it applies to playing music live in a crowd where you can get some of that energy coming back at you is does that bring a little extra something to your music experience playing live yeah
2: oh yeah oh yeah no playing live such a huge part of the fun you know because playing live it's and skateboarding with people right or right i guess what i'm saying is once you start to introduce uh other people into what you're doing um then it 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 brings an element to where there's this sense of kind of i always use the term of like uh, call and response or like a um you know like if you if you're playing handball and if you you kind of you're kind of close to the wall and you put the you know you hit the ball up against the wall it like comes back pretty quick you know the closer you are the farther you are then it takes a while right and so i that that when 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 you're playing in like small settings or with a packed crowd or something that immediate response you play out the response of people so somebody gets excited about something musically then it just all works as this kind of um i don't know uh, the funnest shows have been the ones that feel like it's just super inclusive that everybody's just in this thing together yeah you're providing kind of um the setting or whatever Mm -hmm. but but it's that, but, but at the same time you're you're responding to their uh, enthusiasm or what they're giving you, you know what I mean, yeah, absolutely, and so and so so there's this kind of collaboration, if you will, mm-hmm. um, which that's you can't ever get that in a practice place or in your bedroom or in the studio, that just happens on in front of people, right. responding immediately to what you're giving. And then as they give back to that, then you give back. And it's just this interesting, you know what I mean? Kind of dynamic functioning Absolutely. Um, That that is very special. And it, you can't
1: conjure it up any other way. <laughs> <laughs> for sure and and it sort of leads into the last thing and I, I know you got a couple things you got to get off to but I did have one last question I wanted to ask you about and it is sort of related to that because it involves other people and it's like skateboarding and music and photography or or really anything that a person is passionate about or anything they take an interest in and devote their time and effort into you know it it often speaks or fulfills some sort of personal thing within them you know if it is creative you know they have this urge to to create something and and you know engaging in these activities fulfills that on a personal level but but yet there is also this community aspect that we you know we talked about You know the skateboarding community a little bit before we started recording and and hanging out with the guys and kind of building that bond and then in photography. You know, maybe you don't do a lot of portrait work, but a lot of photography for you early on was related to, you know, people taking your picture or you taking pictures of other people. And then you talked about, you know, maybe making a print and giving it to somebody so. You know right away someone else is involved in this personal thing of yours and then we just talked about the music and playing with other musicians and um you know playing live in front of a crowd and and just following along you know on your instagram you're always shouting out you know friends that you've made over the years so i was just curious and it doesn't have to be specific to these things but but it seems like that community part has been important for you, and just wanted to kind of to, to kind of get your thoughts, just in general, about the importance of community.
2: Yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, community, communities, everything. Um, but when I right, because with with good, but but I but I do want to say this though, mm-hmm. not not just any community. <laughs> You know what I mean right it's like yeah. you know like I always you know for for a little for a little while I was uh Vance had this thing they were working with a company that was helping them uh, do some events with college students and they were taking place at the Vance retail stores and uh there were just these kind of talks with artists you know what I mean um, what I mean, talks with artists, like uh, they would do an event at the Vans retail store. They, they'd invite an artist to to do an artist talk with students, basically. And it was marketed through the um, colleges. And so that uh, the agency that they used, um, what they would do is they would get certain students that were aspiring to be in marketing and, and events planning and stuff. And then what they would do is market and promote an artist talk at the Vance Retail Store, right? Okay. And so they asked if I would be an artist and to talk to them. And and these are just college students, not skaters or whatever. This college, they could be skaters, but it's college students. So you're just getting all walks of uh college students basically you know some are in sports some are just not into anything whatever you know what i mean right and i was thinking i was like man i never went to college you know Mm -hmm. but but the one thing i wanted to encourage them with is the importance of community Mm -hmm. and the importance of yeah you're there studying a specific subject a lot of times but that's but that's only part of what you want to do there because just as important as the subject you're studying is the community you're able to build there because they will be the ones that most likely will afford you or help you with opportunities when you leave that school right and so but also uh There's a verse in the Bible I love. It says, how can two people walk down the street together unless they're in agreement, right? Right. It's these people that you're in agreement with, with these interests that you get validation, encouragement, a lot of the basic human needs, especially towards this thing that you're in agreement about You want to be able to be in a community that can encourage you, not only with good things, but with critique that you can trust. You know, right, right, Um, absolutely. But you don't want to be around a bunch of people that are bitter and just sit around and bag on people and just talk about how so and so is no good or whatever. But they're not doing anything, right? And so you do want to be careful because bad company corrupts good character. You want to you you want to be super selective and picky about your community at the same time, because not all community is good, right? Community is only good when the community itself is good. (laughs)
1: That's
2: right. Surround yourself with good people. Yeah, exactly. Because how many people? It's their community that's bringing them down. Right. I mean, I can't tell you. I can't tell you how. I can't tell you how many times I've heard the the story of like. A, a you know a kid from the inner city, growing up with you know uh, within gangs and things and just poor upbringing right, unfortunately, right. It, but their ability allows them to get a scholarship to a college and then get into the NFL and turn pro, and then what happens is their community, Guilts them, makes them give them his money. And then the dude's career the dude gets hurt, and he's got nothing to show for it, right But his community robbed him of what he earned, <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, and, you know, and, yeah mm-hmm. I mean, I've always <laughs> and 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 that is a perfect um, perfect way to to end it. In talking about that and I would just add you know that it's always been my own personal approach. I wanted to surround myself with people who I felt like were smarter than me or more talented than me or or whatever something that was going to you know kind of encourage me to want to be better and um, I I just can't agree more with what you said you know in a uh, community is is critical but it's got to be the right you know the the right community i think they got to have the right yeah. Uh, perspective yeah
2: yeah cuz y- you see it you know what i mean like sometimes people get caught up in something because that's the only community that accepted them
1: you know right absolutely you well I'm, i mean so <laughs> i'm so appreciative of your time right i know you're a busy guy but but i've always loved when you've shared your insights on these things and appreciate your your perspective and philosophy and approach um how how can people follow along with what you're up to Uh, instagram or yeah pretty much just instagram
2: yeah just instagram pretty much because i don't have a website or anything and um so yeah it's r.barbie at uh it's oh yeah right at barbie. On Instagram, right? So. Right. All right. Well, thanks yeah. again. Right. And, the, and then the Barbie is B A R B E E. All right. Um, and I know, I know, it sounds like a. Uh, a lot of people will liken it to the spelling for the Barbie doll, which is I right. E. <laughs> but. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I grew I grew up with that, everybody saying, Where's Ken? Where's Ken? <laughs> <laughs> I'll bet. I'll bet. No, I, and I'll be I'll
1: be sure to include uh uh that in the show notes as well to point people to the right place. Yeah.
2: Well man, thanks for having me on, man. And uh super I, I think the whole podcast thing is is uh super cool and I dig it when uh People are, are doing them with uh, the interest that uh, that I think a lot of people have, right? And so, um, yeah, super cool what you're doing and honored to be on. Thanks for having me in mind and I'm glad we were able to make it happen. Me
1: too, me too. Thanks so much. All right, have a good one, Billy. All right, you too, man. Thanks again so much to Ray Barbie for taking some time out to talk about his approach to music and photography. Please do give him a follow if you aren't already. And also check out the show notes for links to some of his music and some of the videos where he has talked a little bit more about these things. Thanks as always to Mike Gutterman for our theme song, Timeless. You can check out Mike's music that he makes available for content creators at mikegutterman.bandcamp.com. And while you're there, be sure to pick up with his cassettes. And thanks to the team at Sunny 16 for hosting the Sunny 16 Presents feed. You can get in touch at sunny16presents at gmail.com. It's been just over a year since John Whitmore passed, and I'm reminded of his Ilford Lockdown interview when asked for the best photographic advice he'd been given. And he said the best advice he'd been given in life in general is just to always try and be a decent human being.